What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well met, fellow adventurers. We're back with Sir Crokington, and we're back to Proving Grounds 5. Part 2, The Federation of Shadows, and this scenario is called An Evening in Late Summer. Let us begin. Trithic Schwelters. A string of uncommonly hot days. Even so, for late summer has turned the bustling witherport into a haven for stench, disease and shortened tempers. Despite the current unpleasantness of the city, the Silver Quest calls home, feel there's quite a lot to be thankful for. And, as you and Python make your way back from a late afternoon of provision gathering, you account yourself to the two chief thing, thi- two things chief amongst those to which thanks is owed. Both Windu and Isratar have completely recovered from their attacks and are once again busy taking care of the day-to-day business of operating the last fully functioning monster-slaying for-profit outfit known to exist in all the North Broadlands. And perhaps more importantly, neither high nor hair has been seen of the master assailants who so brutally assaulted your comrades in fact, you begin to feel that if only the oppressive we- weather would lift, you'd find yourself in rather high spirits. Certainly, Prithen coughs and nearly drops the armload of bundles he's carrying. Mirvos are hoping with the load, careful not to upset your own packages, but he has already steadied himself. Lost Oak or Kaffir's Way, he says, yes, directing with a tilt of his head towards the upcoming intersection. The street you've been following, turned leaf, comes to an abrupt end at a T-section up ahead. The street to the right is Kaffir's Way, while to the left is Lost Oak. Both streets will lead you back to the Silver Quest headquarters in about the same amount of time. Okay, there's nothing to suggest. There's nothing to suggest in any way one is better than the other. So... As always, random.org. Alright. 
Number one and two, Genoway. One for the top, two for the bottom. Two, we're taking Kaffir's way. Quite deserted, isn't it? Says Prithen, as you're nearly 50 yards along Kaffir's way. Not quite the best place for us right now, the Ranger, but then. I always did have an rather active imagination. Make me no mind, Sir Crokerton. You suddenly realise he's right. You've seen nearly a soul along the first half of the street. Griffin's sudden, Palin's cry shatters the eerie's quiet. You turn to Pry Priffin, lying several yards from where he last stood. His search, shirt singed and a wide, but thankfully shallow, gasped. Gash, now running across his chest. Sir Crockington, look out, he shouts, as the second bolt of lightning slams into the ground within inches of your white. Your right foot. Two more bolts quickly follow it. One landing on your left, and the other just behind you. Puffin staggers to his feet. One! He shrieks. Okay, okay, I've got some options here. I could use fortification, gating, or illusion. I'll go for illusion. I could also attempt to reach cover. Use illusion. Succeeded. 32 experience to illusion. The carefully crafted illusion of you and Prithen fleeing to the west momentarily draws the attention of your unseen assailants. A barrage of lightning bolts weighs down upon your illusions as the two of you back dash for the cover of a stone arc on the far side of the street. And, yep. The two of you dodge nearly half a dozen lightning blasts before reaching the arch and tucking beneath the sturdy stone structure. The lightning ceases and from beneath the stone arch, you and Priffin stare out over Kaffir's way, seeking any sign of movement on the deserted street. You spot three dark figures atop a nearby building, and point them out to Prithim. The two of you watch in horror as the silent figures walk directly down the wall of the building, and silently drop onto the street. Ooh, odd. The masked figures turn to the west and suddenly vanish, leaving only their shadows behind. The three, the three shadows quickly retreat into the gloom at the edge of your sight and are gone. Griffin turns to you and slowly shakes his head. You exchange a worried glance with Griffin in the wake of the unsettling encounter. Seems our reprieve was only temporary, he says in an anxious tone. We'd best get back and tell the others. With that, the two of you head off towards the headquarters of the Silver Quest, with all possible haste. Windor and Iskatar are both unhappy to learn of the encounter, but both are overwhelmingly relieved that you have both survived to tell about it. Again we find ourselves on the defensive, frowns Brithan. One of these times we won't have such good fortune. I feel I've just about used up all my luck. Windor is about to respond when thick, Grey smoke begins billowing out of the far corner of the womb. In a matter of seconds, the entire womb is filled with noxious cloud, leaving you gasping for air and struggling to get your bearings. So you can use elementalism, or just attempt to make your way out of the smoke. Elementalism. Succeeded. 32 experience to elementalism. Channeling your power of elementalism, you summon a strong wind that roars in through the front door and quickly shatters scatters and removes the, the majority of the thick, pungent smoke. Always handy to have a 
air elemental on call at times like this. The four of you quickly retreat into the street as the remainder of the noxious smoke slowly dissipates. When there is a consensus it's safe to re-enter, Woodendall leaves the way back inside. Back inside, Woodendall immediately proceeds immediately to the corner out of which the smoke originally began bellowing. He holds aloft a large leg of bag, bag and slowly shakes his head. The thin whisks of pungent smoke continue to rise out of the sack. He sets the bag down on the table. It's immediately obvious to the resulting cl- from the resulting clamour contains a large quantity of gold. <laughs> oh, so I guess they t- they acted as a as a, a client and just sneaks this trap in. As you know, gold, which honestly you're not going to be that suspicious of. It's gold. Everyone wants gold. Uh, payment in advance, says Windle, continually shaking his head in apparent disbelief. Payment in advance from our young friend, Sir Crokington, the one for whom we recovered the missing bracelet. This gold was to retain our services for another mission on Harpath, and yet, from the very bag that bears this retainer, seeps the remnants of a cloud designed to kill us in our sleeps. We are lucky the timing of our would-be assassin is not unearingly precise. Needless to say, this bodes ill. Pritham curses and slaps the hand of his hand to the hilt of a blade. We need to find her then, he says. She'll answer us, and we'll get to the bottom of all this. She'll answer us, or she'll have to go. Or she'll go the same way she tried to send the four of us. Squidar nods. When tempers have called Silmot, you and Prithun give Windle and Iskwadar full details of, your, of the encounter you had on the way back. Headquarters, Windle seems especially troubled by your account of your vanishing assailants and their lingering shadows. He stands, stands up from his seat next to the fire and paces the wound for a long while, pausing now and again, allowing his head to sink to his chest of his lost and deep thought. The danger is greater than I could possibly imagined, he says at last. I will know more by tomorrow's end. I shall return tomorrow, before dawn's light. And if I do not, Prithen is to take charge in my stead. There will be no argument about this. There is no time for it. When you quickly and sufficiently equips himself and makes for the door, neither Prithen nor Iskidar say anything in an attempt to defer him. Attempt to defer Regular watch must be kept, day and night, he warns as he pulls open the door and turns to look back. Back at the three of you. Always have at least one pair of eyes on the street and keep the fire ablaze. With that, the former knight and leader of the last fully functioning monster slaying for profit outfit known to exist in all of the North Broadlands slips out of the door into the deepening gloom late summer's eve well how is he going to hand how is he going to fare and what is he going to find out I guess we'll find out in the next scenarios but considering how we've dust just started proving grounds 5 I'm gonna lean towards he's going to fare 
not that well and find out something incredibly terrifying. Also, 64 XP to general if I didn't say that before. Alright, the next scenario is called An Unexpected Return. And it begins. Windle does not return at dawn. I'll be late afternoon the following day. You, Pritham, and Iskitar began to assume the worst. Stubborn fool, cries Prithen, pacing before the window. I'm more of a fool for not pressing in on where he was headed. Now we sit here, hopeless as children. Waiting for what? We're not to leave, said Iskitar, as we're reminding Prithen about Windows parting orders. He would have had us go with him if he thought he was thought it felt it was necessary. I won't question his judgment. Pritham shakes his head and slumps down in a chair near the door, turning to look out the window and onto the street. The sense of despair hanging over the headquarters of the Silver Quest deepens as the day draws to a close. But the soft knock on the door in the glavering doom at the onset of dusk changes everything. The three of you are quite taken aback when, just after dusk, you are paid an unexpected visit by the young woman for whom the Silver Quest was commissioned to recover her lost bracelet, who apparently just tried to kill us all. Curious. I mean, they thought if that was her long-term attention, she'd have done that with the first payment. Oh, well. Oh, well. Maybe she had a secret master who... Only to sit, oh yeah, you got to kill these people. The young lady is in an agitated state and seems consumed by the matter she has come here to con- discuss in great he- haste and, according to her, a considerable risk. I have reason to believe that Windle is in great danger, she begins. The worst has not already come to pass. No, he cannot ca- not have, for they would have told me. However, this does nothing to lessen the urgency of the tidings I bear. You are all in great danger, she says, looking at each of you in turn. A powerful, ancient evil, long thoughts have been vanquished, again walks among us, and none are safe from its roving eyes, or its long shadows. Don't be alarmed by what you are about to see, as the young woman, says the young woman, as she folds her arms across her chest. Without warning, your mysterious guest melts into a pool of shadow before your very eyes. The pool of shadow slides silently along the une- across the uneven floor and stops in front of the fireplace. The pool undulates wildly, and as quickly as she melted into the shadow, the young woman returns to form before the flickering glow of the fire. Prithon moves his hand towards the hilt of his sword. But Iskridar places his arm across his comrade's chest. You must allow me to explain, she says. I shall start from my first encounter. I must admit that I gave no second thought to the lost place that she confines, pacing before the place. Only a twinket, really. But I nevertheless hired the silver quest to retrieve it in hopes that all of you would have left the city in search of it. Danger mounted against you even then. And I prayed I would send you out of harm's way without revealing anything that would further endanger you. And the wrong one pauses, and Iskridar is about to speak when she suddenly continues. 
And you, she says, suddenly turning to face you. You went alone after bracelet, dashing my plans, and walking into more danger than I could have possibly predicted. I believe you must also have met up with the man on the road, and though you had not known it until... Not known until now known it. He was quite possibly the most dangerous man you, you have ever met, or would hope to meet again. Do not think for a moment that it was a coincidental encounter. He asked the woman who it was that you met. You can only summarize she's speaking of Perswain. Before she can answer, she whips around to face the Ouija and looks out at the street and gasps loudly. Following her gaze, you find the two small, bur- two small birds of a lit on the windowsill. Well, there must be more to this than, than it seems if she's so alert. Pritham attempts to calm her seemingly jangled nerves and asks Iskadar to close the window. Iskadar is within two steps of the window when she's, when he's suddenly hurled across the womb and into the wall by a powerful and invisible force. Oh no. Psychic birds! He slumps unconscious to the floor at the base of the wall. Or, you know, shapeshifters disguised as psychic birds. The two birds on the sill suddenly melt into shadow, in the same manner your visitor did only moments ago. The shadows cascade down the wall and land on the floor. The two small pools of shadow begin to whipple wildly. Before you can react, two massed figures rise out of the pools, each wielding a long iron rod, the tips of which are weaved with lightning. Prithen leaps forward and engages the masked man on the left and a young woman throws her hand forward, as if she's preparing to unleash some sort of magical attack upon the same target. The second masked figure thrusts my wad out and sends a bolt of lightning streaking towards you. Alright, I've got some options. Fortification, telekinesis, or elementalism. Or I could just try to dodge the bot. Alright, random.org, tell me what to do. One to four, alright. I'm going to use elementalism. It succeeded. 32 experience to elementalism. Out of the fireplace, in answer to your summons, was a massive fire elemental. The powerful being surges into the path of the lightning bolt and swallows it. The mighty elemental then reverses course and returns to the embers from which it sprung. Sprung. Ooh, handy. Spicy, I guess, though. The mask elemental... Rushes forward and attacks. I guess the rod takes a while to recharge. Tines of blue lightning curl around the tip of the long iron rod as he brandishes. Long iron rod he brandishes. This is a masked assailant. And he has to die. The masked attacker swipes at you with this lightning stick. Alright. I do. Tines of blue lightning strike you. As your enemy unleashes a deadly energy attack. Guess it just recharged now. Alright, almost done. Oh, another deadly energy attack for 12 damage. And almost done. And slain. 38 XP. With an agonised wail, the masked man slumps to the floor. You watch in horror as his body quickly dissolves into a broad puddle of shadow. And then rapidly disappear. You turn to your left to prepare to assist Pritham, only to discover you're too late. What? He's already dead? A brutal stroke. Oh, no, no. A brutal stroke from Pritham's longsword sends the remaining mass assailant sprawling to the floor with a painful streak. 
before he can regain his feet, a fiery blast from the outstretched hand of the young woman seals his fate. Yep, yep, she's powerful too. You again watch as the young, as the body quickly dissolves into a pool of shadow that rapidly disappears. Well, we're not going to find any clues as to who these people are here. Pritham turns away from the unsettling spectacle and rushes to the window. He leans out and looks both ways along the street before drawing himself back inside and closing the shutters. He then joins you by the side of Iskridar. After several minutes, Iskridar is relieved, is revived, and he fortunately appears to have suffered no serious lasting effect from being hurled into the wall. Having missed everything that happened after he was not unconscious, he listens carefully as you and Pritham relate to him the details of the brutal melee that ensues. At least we know what fate is likely to have befallen, fall, befallen Windor, growls Pritham. He was a fool to go out, out alone. Stubborn fool. You count him gone when it is perhaps not so, says the young woman. He is likely that he yet lives. He is undoubtedly still in the midst of great danger. Pritham's lips draw into a sneer and he claps his hand to the hilt of his sword. Before you can stop him, Pritham leaps forward and presses presses the tip of his blade against the young woman's throat. His eyes are blind with disdain. We need answers, he snarls. No more of your riddles. The life of my dear friend is not to be toyed with. Impressively maintaining her composure, the young lady, whose name you've yet to discover, steps back from the deadly steel pressed against her neck. She stares... She stares back hard at Pritham for several moments before responding. Do not think for a moment that I have not, not twice with school by coming here, she says angrily. There is an army of these hunters on the prowl, perhaps tonight, perhaps in this very city, perhaps this very street. In discord, we are all doomed to be their prey. For life of your dear friend, and indeed your own, you will listen to what I have to say. And that ends this scenario with 128 experience to general. Right, move on to the next one. Helene. I guess that's who she is. A recap of recent events. Well, we've all just read that, so I'll skip that over. The young woman, seemingly unaffected by the unpleasant exchange with Pithan, at long last introduces herself as Helene. Listen to what I have to say, and conclude from it what you will see this. But no, this all began many, many years ago with the League of Four. Ooh, that sounds significant. And so, with the three, three of you resigned to hear her out, the woman who identified herself as Helene begins a lengthy but captivating narrative. You learn that many years ago, the Council of Thorns in Celeban, in Selbadeen, began to seriously address the growing problem presented by the various malevolent species of dragons that are taking up residence throughout the North Broadlands. A special group of knights, comprised of four of the Order's best and wisest warriors, were sent forth to rid the realms of those dragons that mercilessly preyed upon humanity. So I'm guessing that dragon we met in Parkour is not on the list even if it was alive back then. Shockingly, 
Shockingly, Helene tells you the knight chosen to lead this group was none other than Windle. In those days, he was known as Lundnir the Fearless, and indeed he was. The broidered look, broidered looks on the faces of Pritham and Iskadar tell you that they too are stunned by what she has said. You learn that under Windle's command, the four knights scoured the realms, seeking out the coolest of Dracodom, and serving them with a choice. Forever face, forever vacate the North Broadlands, or face a harsh and immediate justice. Some dragons left peacefully, remarks Ellen. Others pay for their defiance with their lives. Mighty, through many of these dragons were, few were a match for the, for the four knights. For indeed, they were the greatest fighters of their age. Hmm. I don't want us. I don't want to see a spin-off. Just, you know, just having these guys just going around, just going to town on dragon after dragon, and presumably chopping through many other things on the way, because, you know, dragons often acquire assemble armies of various rough types. For nearly a decade, the four knights proceeded upon an unabated scourge of dragonkind, and the results of their brutal conquest seem for a time to be in humanity's best interest, continues Elaine. For the first time in many years, the realm of man could press back the borders of the wild and live in relative safety in their towns and villages. There was no longer the lingering fear of sudden and swift destruction beneath the talons of some mighty winged beast. I wonder, was this crusade inspired by the destruction of Hopestone? Was that one of the things that pushed people over the edge and went, we've really got to do something about all these dragons? You glance over at your comrades and find their eyes are locked on Helene. They're giving her remark. Garfield tale, their undivided attention. Alas, though, she says, for there was a species of dragon that would ultimately prove the band's undoing. Powerful, ancient creatures. Creatures of shadow who commanded powerful magic. Creatures who did not fear the four knights. Creatures who had no use for the forceful hand of man. Creatures who were from atop their lofty perches. Watched the realms below with less than honourable intent, biding their time, waiting for the day their numbers and power were too much for even the greatest of human armies to overcome. These were the Shadow Dragons, and there's a link to what they are. Shadow Dragon. These powerful dragons once roamed the wilds of Swift, for it is now wildly assumed that these creatures have largely vanished from the world. Shadow's dragons were perhaps the most feared of all dragonkind, for they wielded a powerful magic known as shadow magic. Shadow magic's dragons are, or were, one of the more malevolent species of dragon, and that's really saying something. Shadow dragons were thought to have long ago vanished from the face of the world, says Helene, but when a small number of them were discovered in the high peaks of the Fedorin range, Windle and the three other knights gave them the same stark choice they had given all the others. Helene pauses. 
looks around the room, her eyes scouring each shadowy recess before finally continuing. The Shadow Dragons had no interest in the affairs of man, she says. They had even less interested in subjugating themselves to the whim of a council of knights and its four armed representatives. They would not parlay with, the, with those they one day hoped to enslave. They rejected the terms given to them by the four knights and threatened war against the worms if they were transgressed upon again. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You learn that upon hearing of the defiance of the Shadow Dragons, and have no desire for to be responsible for the hostilities that would threaten the entirety of the North Broadlands, the Council of Thorns decides that the Four Knights campaign at the last... Four knights campaigned at the last week's his conclusion. Windle and the three other knights honoured for their bravery and success, and the mission was ordered abandoned. It was decreed by the council that the shadow dragons would be left alone in their lofty abode, as unlikely they would choose to interfere. Fear in the realm of man. Fortunately, or unfortunate as it may well be, the League of Four knew better, says Lane. Leaders to say the decree did not sit well with the four knights without the consent of the council. In great secretly, the band continued to wade the lair's dragons in all four corners of the realm. Prithen seats, shifts in his seats, but does not take his eyes off Elaine. They were not blood, blood thirsty, nor was there continued war against much of dragon kind and act without reason. They had, they had learned through their dealings with dragons that the vast majority of them could not be trusted and that to leave them within striking distance of human civilization served only to invite disaster. For the dragons would breed and with the passing of time would undoubtedly become an entity which cute humans could no longer hope to contend with peacefully or forcefully. And what of the Shadow Dragons? I, says Pritham, I assume that Windle and the others took the fight to them in turn. Elaine turns slowly and nods slowly. In reply, implied to Pritham's inquiry, yes, they did, she replies. Sadly, yes. Elaine tells you that Windle and three other knights of the League of Four soon attempted to force the Shadow Dragons from their age-old abodes atop Fuduin Mountains. The knights employed a variety of tactics to dislodge the powerful creatures, but found they were matched at every turn by the powerful magic wielded by their fearsome foes. Shadow magic, she says, is the very essence of a Shadow Dragon. They motion to shadow at will, and command the very shadows of anything in their presence. They are wise, powerful, deceptively cruel beasts, and the four knights soon found themselves on the one from, from the creatures they had so long hunted. 
learn. It was about this time that Windle met a man in northern Tysa named Nirith. Nirith was a powerful spellcaster, says Helene. He knew the potency of the magic the Shadow Dragons wielded, for he himself wielded it. When Windle learned of this, he immediately sought Nirith's help in defeating the dragons. Nirith not only agreed to help the League of Four, but confirmed the suspicions long held by the knights, relating to them countless tales of the wickedness of shadow dragons throughout the ages. He agreed that time was swiftly approaching, when their growing menace could no longer be contained. But fortunately, we've got this, well I guess five incredibly badass people, that are ready to deal with it. Helene tells you that soon after Windor met Nerith, the Council of Thorns learned of the knight's disobedience and immediately cast cast the four of them out of the from the order. They had become outlaws and was decreed they were to be punished by death should they ever return to the kingdom of Warsaw. And that is how Nerith, a shadow of a master of shadow magic, a mage whose name appears in no historical text, and whose very existence is unknown to but a handful of the living, became the leader of what was aptly renamed the League of Five, she says. And on that day, in late summer, not unlike, not unlike the day that we had just survived, the five set out from Talonus to embark on their great endeavour, to once and for all put an end to the menace of the Shadow Dragons. That was 600 years ago. <gasps> oh, blimey. You gasp, and Prithim suddenly sits up straight. Iskritar stares, stares wide-eyed at Elaine. What is, what is obviously a direct response to reactions, Helene tells you that Windle and the other three knights, under Nerith's count, under Nerith's tutelage, become masters of shadow magic. Shattered, shadow magic greatly prolongs one life. One's life, she says. Nirith has lived for nearly a thousand years, and I, one of his pupils, now draws close to my seventh century. Helene again scours the four corners of the womb before continuing. The League of Five, she continued. Windle, Nirith, and Windle, or Lund Nir, as he was known in the days, and three other knights, Trailtok, Harakir, and Verwast, waged a brutal war against the Shadow Dragons, outmatched by humans wielding shadow magic far superior to their own innate abilities. The surviving dragons sought at last to flee, but they were too late. The chance for flight was already gone. In a masterful stroke, the five humans swept down upon the last concave of the Shadow Dragons, Dragons, and slew them all. All that is, save one. Oh no, that that sounds ominous. That sounds very ominous indeed. A young shadow dragon, his name has been given as Maraxa, survived the attack and escaped, says Helene. Had he been taken down with the others, I dare say the history of the last six centuries would have been written quite differently. His shadow is a long one, and it has draped its over for many things, large and small, these past six hundred years. 
there does not come to pass a calamity of any measure about which I don't at least suspect his involvement. His hatred for the League of Five and all of humanity knows few equals in the world, and his wicked mind is most certainly bent on producing the the ruin of both. So the League of Five still remains, says Iskridar incredulously. Well, we know that Window is still among us, at least I pray that he is. But what of the others? Verost was killed in the final battle with the Shadow Dragons. But his death But his death came not at the talon of the enemy. He was slain by his own brother in arm, Trelok. Pritham shakes his head in disbelief. I've become, like you, Iskridar, completely engrossed in the fate. Perhaps swayed by Marax's own powerful magic, or perhaps treasonous of his own accord, Trelok slew Verost and attempted the same same on, on Wundle and Neerith, but failed. His treachery allowed Maraxa to make good his escape, and before... Windle and Mundle, Neareth or Windle could counter his attack. Treyrock had fled as well. Helindin relates that she feels certain that Maraxa, for he has not to anyone's knowledge been seen since the final showdown of the League of Five, had been actively involved in many of the misfortunes that have fallen the people of the North Broadlands, for the past 600 years. She also tells you that Neerith and Hakrar are still alive, as is Windle, you hope, and Treyrock. Alright, this is Treyrock that I fear. fear you have encountered on your mission to retrieve the missing bracelet, she says, turning to you. It was likely surprised to find you in the search of bracelet and not 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 Windle. You will certainly, you can be certainly knows who you are by now, and that you will not be spared his wrath in any second encounter. Helene tells you, the three of, tells the three of you that Troyltrock is now an immensely powerful master of shadow magic, who is either still controlled by Maraxa, or knowingly in league with the sinister shadow dragon. She, she further states, Maraxa must by now be a dragon whose age and power is without equal among the dragons of Swith. Maraxa is the last of his species, he says, and he must fear his own time is running out. Time is running out, for he has chosen now to make his move so openly. His goal is clear. He seeks the destruction of those who destroyed his wicked kin. The danger is great, for he is in league with a master shadow mage, whose treachery is already proven, and who can pass a will without recognition through the world of men. Then there is no hope, cries Pritham, leaping to his feet in his sudden outburst. Certainly these are powerful enemies you seem to have stacked against us. Yet when have the odds not been against those who stand on the white side of things? I'm not advocating giving up, retorts Helene. In fact, I've come here seeking allies in this desperate fight. You know now, as well as I do, what we're up against. There is much to be done. You ask Helene what it is she suggests, and if Maraxa or Trollshock are aware of her involvement in this. 
Astute questions, she asked Nonidu. They were not aware of my involvement. They undoubtedly are now, or will soon be, the agents. Even the two we defeated here tonight are likely already en route to report what they encountered. You can expect their next or not. Our text attempt on us to be with greater force. Perhaps one even the four of us cannot withstand. Then we must split up, barks Isquidar, assuming his feet alongside with him. Where are we to go? What's our plan? Lane tells the three of you the first order of business should be to locate both Windor and Neerith, and see to it at all cost that neither of them fall into the hands of the enemy. She openly finds that while she is certain Harakhan yet lives, his whereabouts remain a complete mystery. Our first task must be to find and secure Neerith and Windor. He says, at that time, there will no doubt have counsel for us on how to proceed. So you don't know where this Neerith fellow is? I've not seen Neerith in nearly a century, she says. But I believe I know where to look for him. The shadows have told me places for which he might have passed in recent years. I will begin my search by following up on their clues. And you, Sir Crokington? I would ask for your hope on this matter. And where shall we take up the hunt for Windle? asked Pritham. Where do you suggest we start? Here, in the city, she replies at once. The shadows tell me he's in the city. In the city. For they do not say if he's alive or dead. You speak with shadows? asked Iswitar, slightly raising one eyebrow. No, of course not, says Helene, frowning, as if... As if slightly put off by the question, they speak to me. The rest of the night is spent keeping guard near the wall, windows and doors, preparing to set out on your missions at dawn's first light. Elaine tells you that she, she will make for the town of Griffinwing, east of Talonus. She informs you that it will likely be a long and dangerous journey, but that much you had already summarised. Don't fret about any of that, says Brithen. Sir Crokington is among the best in the trade these days. She's even taught us old fellows a thing or two. Dawn, the four of you part ways, outside the front door of the headquarters of the Silver Quest. Brithen and Isquidar wish the two of you luck as they head off to begin what you pray will be a successful search for Windle. You and Helene make your way to the southern sector of the city, aboard a coach bound for Talonus. At first, you're the only two passengers, sight that puts the two of you on edge. But soon enough, the stage cabin is filled with a handful of tra- travellers also bound for the kingdom's capital. You've just, you've just closed your eyes, hoping to catch up on some sleep. You missed that slice. When Helen's voice, sounding closer than you expected, startles you awake. Your eyes spring open, you're surprised she's still seated across from you on a clouch. And despite but the fact her lips aren't moving, her voice echoes in your head. You suddenly realise she's speaking telegraphically. Telepathically. Oh, so, said Quokington. Her vo- sounds her voice inside your mind. What do you know about shadow magic? Very, very little. I only just learnt, learned that it even existed yesterday. 
128 experience to general, and that ends this scenario. Okay, one more bit to go. The Long Shadows. Begin the scenario. As the journey gets underway, Elaine continues to speak to you telepathically. You respond to her frequent inquiries by nodding and shaking your head. And your conversation passes without anyone else on the coach realising it. Elaine tells you that shadow magic involves direct interaction with the world of shadows. Shadows from people, objects, anything really. Because a voice in your mind. It's a mysterious craft to be sure. But it's not evil. For without light, in total darkness, there are no shadows. I know, you, I know you're not versed in this craft, she says. But should there prove to be time, I will see to it that you acquire it. For it will help make things a bit easier later on. As Helene continues, you learn that shadow mages draw their power from the shadows around them. You also learn that, that as shadows meld into other shadows, the potency of the mage's power dramatically increases. The greatest power wielded by a shadow mage is the knowledge provided by the shadows with which the mage interacts. A web of shadows may run the length the length of the womb, or the length of a city street, or carry on, carry on far out of sight, allowing you to hear through doors, hear through walls, and peer through closed doors, hundreds, perhaps even thousands of leagues distant. Even thoughts are not always safe from shadows. As the coach passes along the narrow section of the forest road, you become acutely aware the shadows of the overhanging branches as they dance across the floor of the cabin. Oh no. Helene takes note of your interest in the shadows and nods approvingly. You're right to be wary of them, she says in your mind, referring to the shadows that have called your attention. Shadows are employed for purposes both good and will, and they are not concerned with the motives of their masters. Helene's eyes are drawn fall to the shadows of the trees moving back and forth across the coach. Someone a thousand miles away might might now be receiving word for the shadow of a candle, candle flickering on the table that we are passing along this very stretch of road. Road bound for Tadalus, she says. An alarming possibility, most certainly. But not out of the womb of possibility, I assure you. Suddenly, the coach lurches to a stop, and you hear the driver shout of greeting to someone. Peering out of the window, you can see a group of four border rangers moving up to the coach from the side of the road. The foremost of the four of the rangers appears to be asking the driver whether or not he spotted any travellers on the road this morning. The lead border ranger steps forward and places his hand on the edge of the wagon, as he continues to speak with the driver, the moment of the shadow of his hand meets the shadow cast by the driver. Elaine's face grows grim. We are in great danger, she hisses, her voice echoing in your mind. I'm told these men are not rangers. They seek us. I should have expected this. 
before you can even react to what she has revealed. A long arm of shadow shakes into the cabin and wraps itself around you, lifting you out of your seat and tearing you from your coach. The other passengers scream in horror and flee wildly as you are raised into the air by a powerful shadow. The power shadow is slammed into the ground with tremendous force, six damage. The shadow that envelops you suddenly releases its grip, leaving you weaving in pain on the ground just outside the coach, standing over you. His heavy leather boots on either side of your waist is the Border Ranger, who only moments ago Go was speaking with the driver. It's the man's voice, not his face, that you instantly recognise. Where is Wundal? He growls, though his face is sunken and is much taller than you recall. You've little doubt the voice of the man standing over you is that of Puss when... The man you met while recovering Helene's missing bracelet. You know, now, according to what was imparted to you by Helene back in the headquarters of the Silver Quest, that this man is not Putswain. A cold grey gaze fixed upon you from above. The cold gaze fixed upon you above belongs to Traylock. A man Helene is called the most dangerous man you have ever met. The coach suddenly lurches forward and speeds off down the road. As the bewildered driver attempts to catch up with his fleeing passengers. Fortune visits. You again, friend, snarls Trillock, his hand moving to the hilt of the sword hanging by his sides. I'll give you one more chance to answer me. Where is Windle? You stare at the pair of cruel... Hard eyes peering it down on you. They are the eyes of a merciless killer. You turn to find Helene struggling to flee herself from the grip of the other three men. Trelock laughs. She can't help you at the moment. He grins, prodding you with the toe of his boot as you lie on the ground beneath him. Now, tell me where Wundle the Rat has hidden himself. You realise... If you have any chance to defend yourself, you must quickly flee yourself from the hopeless position you're in. I have some options. Unarmed combat, thievery, telekinesis, or just struggle my way out. What does Wandam.org tell me? Number one, unarmed combat it is. Succeeded. 32 experience to unarmed combat. A swift and unexpected wall. Coupled... Coupled with the solid strikes to the inside of Trelock's lead, leg allows you to escape from beneath your attacker. You manage to get back on your feet, narrowly avoiding a nasty blow from Trelock in the process. Trelock grins and reaching for his sword, reaching for his sword, where a fiery blast from behind nearly tears through your shoulder. He drops to his knees, but slowly returns to his feet. You turn to see Helene standing over her three assailants, their entwined bodies covered by a thick, shadowy web. Her hand is still outstretched in Trelloc's direction, having just delivered him a mag- potent bolt of magical flame. Helene shouts for you to flee at once, and she turns and dashes off along the road. Trelloc still seems shaken by the surprise attack, but he appears to be regaining his senses. Now... What you should do is one. 
He's probably one of the most powerful people in the world. But Sir Crokington is doing this far later and far more powerful than than anyone could possibly be when this content was released. So I'm going to engage Trelock. Trelock flashes a wicked grin as he draws a ruby-studded short sword and brandishes the blade with an alarming degree of skill. This will be swift and painful, he sneers. Alright, now this is one of the hardest fights in in the game at the time it's released. But it's easy now. Trelock grins wickedly, strikes out at you with the flat of his short blade. Wait, the flat? Your mind is ravaged by your pose potent psionic attack. Hmm, I guess he's been told to... Keep me alive so that Maraxa can just take me. Just utterly, utterly control me. Your mind is ravaged by a pose power, foe's power, potent sonic attack for 41 damage. And again for 47 damage. Then 44 damage. Okay, I'm going to use the quickstone 20s. And it is, and he is slain. I don't think he's going to stay slain. 136 XP. Your final blow spins Trelock almost completely around. But you watch in horror as he melts into gloom at your feet. And disappears. Disappears into the gloom of the forest. Impressive, Selene. Who seems truly amazed by your victory. I wish it were the end of him. Though I dare say he now knows just what he's up against. We are not safe here, though. We must go at once. With no alternative at hand, you and Helene continue in the direction the coach was headed, moving cautiously along the edge of the forest road. Tedorok would not let us escape if he were without hope of finding us again, warns Helene. His command of the shadows is great, and there may be no move we can make that will be hidden from him. Apparently, though, he is not been so fortunate in his search for Windle. Why that is, it's hard to say. But it bodes well for us, for now. Helene steps to the edge of the forest and places her hand on the rough bark of the leaning maple. You watch as she slides her hand into a pool of shadow cast by the neighbouring hardwood. There is danger all around us, she says. Her eyes closed as she listens... Listens, listens to the voices that you are unable to hear. Some of this danger is yet many miles away. For some of it is Clover's hand. We must not delay. The shadows tell me that all of the danger is moving in on us. And that ends this scenario with 64 experience to general. Oh, I'm nearly up to an hour. So that will be where we where we stop for now. The next one will be the Woe to Talonus waylaid in White Bell. But that will be until that will be next time. But until then, farewell fellow adventurers. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.